0: From Linkly, it's how we got here—the stories behind the youth, high school, college, and professional sports journey, where it leads, and what we learn along the way. I'm Corey Koski, and on today's show, we speak to Jason Zucker of the Minnesota Wild. Jason Zucker was born in Newport Beach, California. That's right, you heard right, Newport Beach, California. The average temperature in Newport Beach is 62 degrees. How do you make the NHL from Newport Beach? You don't. So you move. The Zucker family moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. That's right, the hockey metropolis of Las Vegas, Nevada. This is where he grew his love for the game of hockey. I grew up in Manitoba, Canada, where it is winter, nine months of the year, and I couldn't make the NHL in that climate. So Jason Zucker's path is very unique. This is how we got here.
1: I was in Newport Beach for two months. So I moved to Vegas when I was two months old. So Newport Beach was, other than having some family there, and we'd go back for the summers, um, in the summer, sorry, um, to see some family and visit for a couple of weeks. Vegas was home and Vegas has always been home. Um, so I consider Vegas my hometown 100%. Um, and uh, you know, my my grandparents on my father's side and, and my dad at the time um, was, was helping them, but they owned a jewelry store um, in Dana Point in uh, right outside of Newport Beach there. So that was the reason why they moved there uh, to begin with was, was to be there in, in, in the open, the, the jewelry store there. They decided to move it back to Las Vegas, which is where my dad was born and raised. So they had, my dad had grown up there. They decided, let's go try this in California. So they moved the jewelry store from Vegas to Cali and then back to Vegas. Um, so my two older brothers and myself were all born in Newport Beach. Um, same hospital, same doctor, same room, same everything, and uh, and then we uh, we moved uh, back to Vegas after that. What sports did you play? Hockey. Hockey. I played football for one year, one one summer I should say that I played uh, Pop Warner in the eighth grade. Um, moving into my ninth grade year, I played that summer, um, and um, I, I played quarterback for the one summer and uh, never played another sport other than that
0: hockey in in Vegas at least back then doesn't seem to go together Uh, now with the team there it's a little bit different how did you get involved in hockey my older brothers uh, my mom was a figure skater Um, so my
1: oldest brother Evan um, was kind of the I'm going to call him the catalyst behind it all my dad never played he played football in high school Um, but my oldest brother, Evan, played every sport. He played soccer, he played baseball, he played hockey, you know, football, he played everything. He did karate, you know, so on and so forth and, um, and got stuck on hockey and absolutely loved it. And I'm not sure if that was some influence from my mom. Um, she was not figure skating at this time, she did at a, at a younger age. Um, so I'm not sure if there was some influence there, but um, Evan loved hockey and so he stuck with hockey. Then uh, my brother Adam was born, um, who's a year and a half older than me. And he got right into hockey. He played football as well, and he's he's a big guy, so that's why he got into football later on in high school. Um, but that's when uh, his hockey career he felt wasn't going to go as far as he would have liked. So I think he got into football as well. Um, and then when he got into football, that's kind of when I was like, oh, I should try to play. I mean, why not? And so. So how old were you with this? Uh, I was in the eighth grade, so I bet I was uh, fourteen. So you, 13, you didn't start playing hockey till you are 14? Oh, oh, no, 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 no that played, was football. That yeah, was football, okay, football yeah. I was playing, I was on skates at two and a half. Okay. Yeah, and I played my first game at three. Um, and it was with my brothers, so I mean, who knows what type of game that was. It was roller hockey. I played roller hockey um, growing up. So um, I started, yeah, I started on roller skates at, uh, at, at two and a half with my brothers. And at that time, obviously in Vegas, you're playing in the street, you're playing everywhere. Um, we had mini hockey sticks, we were playing all around the house, um, and, uh... So was
0: there a competitive roller hockey league?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, roller hockey was everything. Ice didn't exist for me, um, until, man, I mean, I'm gonna say I probably first started at six, probably got serious around eight, um, ice hockey, um... So, but before that you are playing roller hockey? Yeah, I played roller hockey all the way till college, yeah, so... Uh, when I got to college, George, uh, George Guazdecki, um came up to me. He was a legendary college hockey coach, and said, "Jason, like, I love the the idea of roller hockey. You know, the creativity part of it. You know, four and, you know, it's four on four, no offsides, no icing, no checking. The creativity is just insane there. But you need to pick like roller hockey or ice hockey." It was like at that point it was clear, you know, that ice hockey. I was playing Division One. It was like ice hockey's it. Roller hockey, the the road ends pretty early. But um when I was young there was a, a a league called Pro Beach Roller Hockey. And uh it was the first full checking roller hockey league and they actually set up a rink on the beach in California. And there were ramps behind the nets it's you should youtube it it's absolutely crazy. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. It was like I would go watch Pro Beach Roller Hockey and was like that is awesome.
0: I think I remember that uh, a little bit was there like some ex-NHL players that oh, yeah. played on it yeah, and... it was a
1: big deal yeah it was a big deal there was yeah there were ramps behind the nets you played with the ball it was full checking um and so they made it more of an NHL style game um playing roller hockey
0: ice hockey how many sheets did you have around Vegas
1: three there are three sheets there was one rink that uh, my dad actually built my dad was in uh, in construction he's um uh, now builds casinos. He's been in the casino business for a long time now, um, but at the time, so he I mean he's been building casinos for twenty some odd years now, um, but at the time he was actually building this rink. With, who are some friends of ours, and um, it was a dual roller hockey rink. So there are two sheets of you know, of roller, and uh, at the time I was in kindergarten. And my dad would pick me up from school at noon, um, and he'd bring me back to the rink because. He was building it, so I would actually skate on the rink all day while he was working. Um, and then when his shift was over, he'd grab me and go pick up my brothers from school and head home. So I actually was, was skating by myself a lot, you know, almost every day of the week at that point.
0: Did you have a puck?
1: Oh, yeah. I had a puck, I had a stick, and an imagination. Yep.
0: <laughs> That's something that kids now don't have. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how – you said your mom was – a former competitive figure skater. How influential was she in your in this hockey and this ice deal outside of the roller deal?
1: Um,
0: she was. She, I mean, she was big in everything.
1: I mean, just like every parent is. Um, my dad was much more vocal when it came to hockey. My mom was uh, was very laid back. She's that's just her personality in general. She was very laid back. Um, wasn't one to give you advice or any of that. She she drove us to our tournaments. She took care of us. She did everything that we needed. Um, when I was young, she, I mean, she was tying our skates. I mean, she was doing all that stuff for us. She was the typical hockey mom um, and was great at it, of course. Um, but there was never, for her, I don't remember a time that she would take her figure skating background and be like, hey, you should try this or try that. But I don't, my dad never really did that either. I mean, my dad coached us for a little bit, but then he realized early that, that his hockey knowledge was, wasn't was near what some of these coaches at the time um, were teaching us. And and some of these coaches at the time, still to this day, I call and, and talk to, and um, they're great people and, and great hockey minds. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of talented, you know, and knowledgeable hockey players and, and coaches in Vegas. And when I say a lot, I say for Vegas standard, of course, but um, you know, plenty to, uh, to help us move along the rank, you know, move up the ranks
0: and move along in our career. I already have three ranks. And you said when your mom drove you, drove you to tournaments, what was a competition like in Vegas? Most of ours was travel. So we
1: would, um, we would probably have one or two tournaments a year in Vegas. You know, I, now I, there could have been three or four, you know, but not many. It, it's not like Minnesota where you're driving from, from YZ to, you know, to Roseau, you know what I mean, where you, and you can hit five thousand rinks in that span. Um, we'd go to California, Arizona, Colorado, Utah.
0: Um no, was it? This wasn't a league. This was travel. This, yeah, this was just tournaments. Tar-
1: you'd enter tournaments, yeah. So the team, so we were a travel team. It works very different than like a high school team here. You know, you you're not in a league necessarily. You just enter tournaments, and you, um, you know, so you're you're general manager of the, of your organization calls and said, Hey, we want to bring a, a squirt, a peewee, a bantam and a midget team out there. You know, this one's double AA, A, triple A, A, whatever it is. And we want to enter them in the tournament. They say, okay, the entry fees, you know, so, you know, X amount of dollars and you're in the tournament. So what was your team called?
0: What was that team name?
1: Uh, we had the Las Vegas outlaws for a long time. Um, we had they were quite a bit. They, the, the outlaws switched to the Las Vegas storm. Um, well, there was the Nevada Stars. So it went from the Outlaws to the Nevada Stars to the Nevada Storm, or the Las Vegas Storm. And the Storm came about when the uh, the gentleman that owned the rink there bought the Tri-City Storm in the USHL. So that's why he transferred that over. But I played for the Outlaws in Las Vegas for many years. There was a Las Vegas Ice when I was super young. Um, there was the Las Vegas Mustangs when I was young as well. So it was like, we had the Ice, we had the Mustang, we had the Outlaws. The Outlaws was probably the longest lasting of all of them.
0: So when I hear you talk about all this travel, going to Colorado, going to L.A., going to all this place, I'm thinking, this has got to be expensive. Yep. Have you ever thought about that as your parents ever talked about how expensive it is? Because I, I went to, uh, my oldest went to a, a WHL um, rookie camp, and one of the moms was telling me that her kid played in Denver, and she was paying... a year for her kid to play hockey.
1: That's a lot more expensive than it was when we played, for sure. Now, keep in mind, my parents had three boys all playing competitively in three different, um, my oldest brother at this time was probably moved, he moved away from home at 15, played in Colorado. Um, My brother Adam and I were still in Las Vegas. Um, I did move to LA when I was 11 for a couple of years and play there for my, my peewee years. So Um, you moved
0: to LA to play Pee Wee hockey? Yeah,
1: two years. Yeah, I played there. What Um, was that like? um, It was that was crazy. Um, You know, I was eleven. Yeah, I was eleven. So my first year there, Um, what was crazy about it was, I was, I was the best player in Las Vegas, and for my age, I went to LA to play on this AAA team, and I was by far the worst player on the team. It wasn't even close. Like I, I was barely playing. I started out on defense and then during that season they switched me the offense cause, you know, to forward because I was afraid to get hit going back for pucks. And then in turn actually turned out that I was still getting hit more but because I was, I was fast enough to get in on the four check first and beat some of this. So I was still, it was like, it was a crazy experience for me. And then my second year there um, was kind of more of the same. Like I, I got better, but still was just kind of, you know, not that good, honestly. Um, and then for my first year Bantam, I moved back to Las Vegas because the team, the LA team I was playing on decided to move to double a for that season. So the Pee Weeers was triple a and our team was, was pretty good. We actually have, uh, there's probably, so Matt Nieto who plays for the Colorado Avalanche was on that team. Emerson Edom, who has numerous games in the NHL was on that team. So like, that was a kind of a select team in LA. That was a really, really good team there. And we came second place at nationals two years in a row, um, and uh, so that team was really good. But then the first year, Bantam, I moved back to Las Vegas because they decided to move down to Double A, and the Vegas team was Double A.
0: Who'd you stay with?
1: So my first year, I lived with a, um, a kid named Shane McColgan, um, who was an unbelievable WHL player for for many years, um, and I, he did play. I wanna say played in the AHL for, for a little bit as well. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, and then my second year, <laughs> believe it or not, and this was probably part way through the first year as well, I, I got homesick, you know, and I, I wanted to see my family more. Now I was I was four hours away, so they would drive up to see tournaments and see me. But again, with two other brothers that were playing, they were trying to do the same for them and still two more kids at home and one of five kids. So they were all over the place. Um, my second year, I commuted. So Thursday night, I would hop on a plane, and I would fly by myself at 12, um, 11 and a half, 12. I would fly Thursday night to LA. I'd play in tournaments Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would practice with the team Monday, and I would fly home Monday night. And then I'd have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning off, and then Thursday night, I'd fly right back to LA and I would play, and I would do all that, and I would stay with, and every time I went out there, I stayed with a different kid on the team. So it was like, you know, got to know everybody, and I'd see where all of the, all them lived, and you know, so they would kind of house me for the weekend for that second year.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, so that, that's kind of the craziest part of my career, was, uh, was that, and then, like I said, I moved back to Vegas when I was a first year Bantam. Uh, and played double-A and we actually lost in the uh, in regionals against LA the team I was playing on that sent them to nationals and and we went home Um, and then my second year Bantam I played up so I played midget triple-A my second year Bantam and the main reason was um, my oldest brother my brother that was just older than me Adam um, was on that team so I got to play with him which was great and we yeah we were playing midget triple-A so it was awesome
0: you look back at your life, at your hockey life at a youth, from a youth perspective, would you be able to do that with your kids?
1: No, no way. Now here's the thing. This is one thing that I, and, and I'm going to say my dad because he said it the most, but my mom was a big part of this as well. Um, he always told us that they would do whatever they had to do to make sure that we had a chance to succeed. So... All they wanted was to make sure that we just had a chance. They weren't guaranteeing it. they're not saying that you're the next kretzky that you're the next this and that. They saw talent, and they did the same thing with my younger brother Cameron, um who just stopped playing a, a year and a half ago he's uh he is he'll be nineteen in december um and um <clears throat> you know for them, it was all about just giving us the chance to play so financially. I mean, there's no way that they were, you know, I know for a fact my parents were not well off um, at the time of all of this. I know my oldest brother, Evan, um, had a sponsor, a friend of, you know, the rink in, in Vegas. Um, and uh, it was one of those things, it was, it's hard. It, it, hockey, as you mentioned earlier, hockey's expensive. You know, and when you have three boys playing, you know, that, uh, you know, are all good players and now you someone breaks a stick you know, blocking a shot or something like that. Now you're paying another 200 bucks or, you know, at the time it was probably 150 bucks for a stick. But I was at the, you know, when I first started my first year in L.A., um, I was still using wood sticks and all the kids had graphite and all that. And then that year, my dad switched me to graphite sticks. I remember when he got me, he got me three Easton sticks and it was like the biggest deal ever. Um, And, uh, you know, I think I used those for a couple of years. I mean, it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just told us he was always going to give us a chance to succeed. And that's all, you know, he felt that that was his obligation to us as, as, you know, his kids.
0: So you talked about your using the wood sticks and then when you got the graphite, how special that was for you.
1: Yeah, it was the best thing ever. It was, uh, I remember them, they were silver. They were the first Easton, um, graphite sticks that came out and it was a madonna curve, um, probably 50 flex or, um, at the time. And uh, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I remember getting—he handed me three sticks, and I like didn't know what to do, having three. Because at the time, my two older brothers and myself all use the same exact stick. We use um, a Sherwood uh, PMP fifty thirty SC coffee uh, coffee curve. It was the banana hook blade, um, and my dad would order twelve for probably a hundred bucks. And, uh, and he'd give each of us four and,
0: uh, that's what it was. Did the kids ever say anything about that? Did you, did they, did you get ripped on? Or? No,
1: cause some of them, I mean, I think some of them probably still had them too. That was the time when those just came out, but they're expensive. I mean, everyone was using wood sticks when you're spending $12 on a stick or 15, 20 bucks on a stick, whatever, 10 bucks, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, you were getting twelve for hundred bucks. So what is it? You know, you're roughly eight bucks, ten bucks a stick. You know, um, and so when there were still some using those too, you know, it wasn't like the whole team had them and I didn't. But there started to be that transformation to the graphite, and that's when my dad's like, okay, you know, you guys can't be the only ones using wood sticks here. So he, yeah, he quickly, he was always good about that stuff. Um, so yeah, it was good.
0: When did you start to know that you had a chance?
1: Um, for me, probably around 15. Um, and, and that's so when I was 15, I moved to Michigan and uh, I got uh, invited to play, which was my true first year midget. I got invited to play for uh, Team Compuware um, in Michigan, which is, you know, alongside Honey Bake, Bell Tire, you know, Little Caesars, the whole thing. And for me, um, that's when I realized how little I knew about hockey in general that's not just my knowledge of hockey, you know, in the game, but like how little I knew about the whole sport of hockey. Um, And a quick, funny story. I actually lived with a a kid named Jared Knight, who um, at the time when I moved in with him, I had no idea of this, but um, I found out later on was the number one ranked 92 birth year in the entire country. This kid was incredible. Um, Ended up being a second round draft pick for the Boston Bruins. Um, But uh, he was insanely good. So I was lucky enough to move in with him. His dad was the chief of police, um, for the battle Creek police department, battle Creek's about an hour and battle Creek,
0: Michigan. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So we played in Plymouth. So it was an hour and 15 minute drive to practice. And, uh, so this family was absolutely amazing. Um, Dwayne and Kim Knight were just amazing. You know, they're great parents for me and Jared and I became quick friends, but, um, the 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 funny part of this story is the day I got there, literally drive up in the car, they pick me up from the you know, and I get back to the house, and Jared wasn't with Dwayne to pick me up because he had school or whatever it may have been, and uh, he back to the house he goes, hey, did you see what Patrick Kane did today? And I'm like, who's Patrick Kane? And he goes, he was just drafted number the first overall draft pick, like, you know, days ago or weeks or months ago, whatever it was, and I'm like. I have no idea who that is, and that right there, I was like, okay, I literally know nothing about hockey. Um, but being in Vegas, we watched the Kings, and we'd see, you know, I was a Red Wings fan because I I loved Pavel Datsuk, but I didn't watch the drafts. I didn't know who was being drafted, who was up and coming players. I you know, and at that time, YouTube wasn't a big thing. You know, none of that stuff was big. So you know, that yeah, I didn't know anything
0: about it. All right, so you're 15, you start to know that you're, you have a chance. Were there NHL teams coming around, or was it more the college?
1: That was the time when college first started recruiting early. Now, they could have been a year or so before that, but I remember it being kind of our birth year. Jared Knight, the day I got to his house, he was 15 years old, already had a full ride to the University of Michigan. At fifteen, there was another kid named John Merrill. Same thing was shortly after Jared Knight. Um, I committed to the to Denver during. I mean, during that se- or just after that season, actually, because during that season, my dad would fly up to Michigan every once in a while, and we'd go tour some schools. We'd go tour Michigan and Michigan State, and um, we'd kind of go around and, and tour some of the schools that that were recruiting me. But I, I had my first full ride offer. Shortly into that season, by uh, by one of the schools, so that was kind of that that first college you know college scholarship offer um, is when I finally was like, okay, like if I'm getting offered this early, I have a chance to do something. Not like not I'm going to make it to the NHL because I wasn't even playing juniors yet. I was fifteen playing playing midget hockey, but I, I knew I had a chance.
0: Why did you choose? Denver.
1: Um I was a I was a fan of Denver um 04 and 05 or 0506. They won back-to-back national championships and this time I was playing for LA. Um, it was my pee years there. So it it was like the perfect you know storm that I was in LA and Denver games played on TV in LA because it was, you know, the West Coast would grab would grab Colorado College and Denver College because that was the only two colleges close to that region. I mean, now Arizona State's in, UNLV is trying to get in. There's some others that are trying as well, USC and UCLA, but but Denver and CC were the only two schools that were, they were the closest schools West. And so they would get, you know, get some games on TV. So we'd watch some of those and they won two national championships. I was like, you know, they're unbelievable. So I loved Denver, but they were actually, oddly enough, one of the very last teams to give me an, a, a an offer. And, um, at this time I was actually at, uh, the tryout camp for the U S development program in Michigan. Um, and they were there and I had been offered by seemed like many, 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 many schools. And I'm like, where's like, why isn't Denver offing? Well, I'd talked to them. We'd talked to all the coaches and, uh, they told me that, um, this was Steve Miller, the assistant coach at the time. He'd been there 15 years said, uh, George will not give you a, a scholarship offer until he watches you play. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and a funny story that I should say, especially if kids are going to be listening to this. Um, I remember this very clearly and my dad was actually at this game. Um, we knew George Wozdeck He was going to be there. I don't, you know, Steve had told us during the recruiting cause my, I think I'm sure my dad asked him, you know, what's taking so long type thing. Um, and we played in a tournament at Miami of Ohio, the, the college rink there. And I remember playing this game, leaving the game, telling my dad, there's no way Denver's gonna offer me a scholarship. I was absolutely horrible. Worst game I've ever played in my entire life, zero points, you know, goals and points meant everything, right? And, and played terrible. And I got my offer 10 minutes after the game. And I remember thinking to my dad, I mean, 10 minutes could be a little off, but shortly after that game. And I remember talking to my dad, like, I don't get it, you know, I was terrible it was horrible. And I, you know, there's no reason why that should be. And then that happened another time. when I was trying out for the U S development program, there was, let's call it Friday to Sunday was the tryout. So Saturday after the game, my dad told me this later on Saturday, um, they came up to my dad and said, Hey, Jason made the team. And they didn't tell any of the players because they wanted to wait for the list to come out and so on. But they told the parents. And the reason they did that is because they had, those kids and parents had to stay a couple extra days. So they wanted them to you know, you know, get the accommodation set up. And I remember that Saturday game was the worst game that I had played, that I felt everything during that entire tryout. I had zero points, <clears throat> no goal, like was, was horrible. And I remember coming up to my dad and I found out later on, he had already known I had made the team we had this conversation. I'm like, I'm not making this team. Like I was terrible today. I was, you know, this and that and this and that. And they loved my game that day. So it happened twice in my career when I was young that it was kind of a rude awakening that points aren't everything, you know, that, that um, they're watching a lot more. And these guys know so much about the game. You could have seven goals and they don't care. They want to see what's actually happening in the game. So it was interesting to have that happen twice when I was young.
0: So 2010, you get drafted yep. by the Wild. Did you know that you were going to get picked by the Wild? or
1: No. No, oddly enough, they were one of the teams that we had no indication at all. Now, depending on who your agent is, I mean, obviously, I don't know exactly how this works with other guys and so on, but um, it's not something that you really talk about. Um, but going into the draft, we had... I went to the Combine and I had meetings with everybody and, you know, just like all the guys do. Um, I think I met with 26 or 27 teams of the 30 at the time. Um, and I remember leaving a lot of the meetings, like there were a few that stuck out to me that was like, I think they are interested because they were longer meetings. They asked more in depth questions. You know, they knew more about me. Some teams you walk in, hi, and you're like, hello. You know, and and like, there just wasn't a whole lot there. Um, But going into the draft, I bet you I had four or five teams that we were like, these guys are probably going to draft you. Um, I know Chicago was a big one. Um, Arizona was up there. I can't remember a couple of days. Pittsburgh was up there for sure. can't remember all the, you know what the other couple were, um, but I remember there were multiple times during that draft that my agent was like Chicago's going to take you here, you know, and they all know what's going on. They talk to all these agents. They they have so much, you know, so many hands out there, and you know, in their web, and they know what what's happening. But um, somebody had told me, I, my agent told me at the time, if Chicago had that year like three first round picks, so they took somebody. Um, pretty early, and then they had kind of a a mid round pick, and they're like, okay, Jason could possibly go twenty five, but they also had thirty, so they're like, okay, if we don't take Jason at twenty five, we're taking him at thirty for sure. Then they traded the thirtieth pick, so it's like, ah, oh, now I'm you know going to the second round, and so I think I was supposed to be you know slated to you know be drafted somewhere late first, early second round, and I ended up being going, I was the second to last pick at the second round.
0: One last question. You know, you signed your deal um, and then you did, um, talk a little bit about the what drew you to, the, to Masonic and doing the broadcast studio there.
1: Yeah, so when I, when I signed my deal here, um, I didn't know a whole lot about Minnesota. I wasn't, um, I had never been here. When I landed here, actually, that may not be true but I, I hadn't, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I didn't know. Um, I started learning about the organization after, you know, after I was drafted of course, and I was very excited, um, you know, to becoming, I I thought they were an up and coming team. I thought they had some really good players and that they were missing a couple big guys, you know, Suter and Breezy that they ended up getting, which, you know, obviously helped take the organization to another level. But, um, for me it was about, I, I realized how great of a community it was pretty early. I mean, even before I met Carly, um, it was a, it was a great community. And I always felt that every time I was asked to do some sort of community service, I always wanted to help. I was always that way. Um, then when I met Carly, um, she was already, she had her own charity event. She did, she was well into the scene in, in Minneapolis and so forth. And she introduced me to a million people and, you know, took that to a whole nother level for us. Um, and then, uh, you know, for us, we, we wanted to focus on something. We we loved the, the help we were giving to all these different, you know, organizations, but we wanted a sole focus. And we wanted to have a lasting impact with that focus. And uh, Masonic ended up being it. We, we met a young boy named Tucker Hellstrom that was uh, that was there who, you know, for, unfortunately passed away from osteosarcoma, um, which is a rare bone cancer. And we wanted to leave a legacy for him, just as his family's doing. and. We, wanted, we knew it was that hospital. He was there. We'd been there, you know, a hundred times at that point and saw great work they were doing. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, we left a, a lasting impact for, for our family and, you know, for our kids to see and, and be a part of. And um, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of it.
0: What a great story. How do you go from Newport Beach to Las Vegas to the NHL? What a powerful, powerful story on how he, how he was able to do this. As you listen to this podcast, there are some, some unique points about this and the fact that it sounds like Jason actually specialized in hockey. So as a parent, you're hearing all this stuff now. It's not good to specialize and your kid's got to play multiple sports. That's where everybody's telling you. And yet you hear Jason's story and Jason sounds like it's specialized in hockey. So what do you do with your kid? You want your kid to make the NHL. You want your kid to be the best that they can be. And everybody's telling you that they need a break, but it doesn't sound like Jason had a Jason had a break. Well, he did have a break. And there's a couple things that I want to touch on here as you listen to this podcast that he said. The one thing that really caught my attention is when he talked about his dad would pick him up, and then he would go on the ice, and he'd have free ice for two three hours and he would go and he would skate and he would do that every day it was just him himself and the ice sheet and he would be on the ice for two hours that tells me that he had a passion and he had that inner drive that you need to make it to the top level and so he was willing to do that stuff outside of his own practices outside of everything else to get better So when you look at your kid now, and this is why I believe that sports specialization is hurting our kids, is your kid is out there, he's playing, and he's playing in this structured environment, and he's not playing hockey outside of the structured environment. So after he's done skating on the ice, or has a practice, he doesn't come home and pick up a stick and and play a game and just have fun, and he doesn't go do all this other stuff within hockey to have fun. He just goes from structured environment to structured environment. And so that's talking about he just doesn't, have, it just, it's just not, it doesn't have the passion, which is cool. And at some point he might get this. So you need to explore other sports and give them a mental break between sports. That's the biggest, to me, that's the biggest thing about sports specialization is to give that mental break. I actually wrote a story about this on LinkedIn, And I'll, re, I'll repost it again this week that talks about what happened to me when I played baseball all year and didn't take a break. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today. If you like this show or any other of our shows, make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you want to read stories written by our guests, you can do that on www.linkleet.com. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter so you don't miss any of these stories. Make sure to check out our social pages. We have them all, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have any suggestions for our show, please write us on Facebook. I'm Korkowski and you've been listening to How I Got Here from Linkleet, Special thanks to Wade Beavers and a friends at the restaurant Agriculture.